Welcome to the Littler International Employment Law Podcast Series. Conversations for the multinational employer on issues impacting their global business. Thank you and welcome to Littler's APAC Employment and Labor Law 2021 Series. Today we're talking about what Asia's Latin America trade focus means for putting employees on the ground in the region. My name's Trent Sutton, and I'm the managing shareholder for Littler's APEC Regional Hub, based here in Singapore. And I'm joined today by Juan Carlos Cabrera, who is my go-to attorney here at Littler for anything dealing with the Latin America region. Juan Carlos comes with many years' experience working across the region. He started Littler's Venezuela office years ago and now works from Miami, assisting clients to deal with many issues that arise across the region. So I welcome Juan Carlos for joining this podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Trent. It's a pleasure to be here. I know it's uh, very early here, but eager to participate in your podcast. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. So this is a, a timely topic, as, as I note that Singapore is planning to sign a free trade agreement this year, 2021, uh, with the Pacific Alliance. What is the Pacific Alliance? Yeah, we are very excited about this. Um, Singapore can become part of the Pacific Alliance. This is an effort that was put together by uh, Mexico, Peru, Chile, and Colombia. They got together after a failure with the prior initiative in the area and decided to go with a Latin American approach. So. We created in, in the region this alliance that basically tried to create a complete freedom in movement of goods, services, and capital, and also people uh, around those countries I mentioned, but specifically in the relationship with Asia and the Pacific countries. So we are very thrilled that Singapore is coming and uh, is signing the agreement in the, in the very near future. The group itself, covers more than 210 million people in the region, in Latin America, and it comprises more than 40% of the GDP of the region. So it's, uh, it's considered the sixth or the eighth economic power in the world combined. So it's, it's a huge deal for our, our region to have the, the, the Singapore joining and increasing, of course, the volume of products that are going to be trade and also the movement of people around Latin America or between Latin America and the Pacific in the Asia, in the Asia region. You know, the interest by Asia-based companies in Latin America has been growing for some time, but I think this marks another, another key interest, particularly by Singapore and others, to really focus on Latin America in the coming years uh, in terms of their marked investment in the region. So, I think, we'll pro I think we have a number of employers based here in Asia who may not yet have experience with putting workers on the ground in the region. And so what I'm hoping to do today is to give these Asia-based uh, employers sort of a temperature check on some of the high-level things they should think about when they consider putting workers on the ground in the Latin America region. So. Let me start off with my first question, which is, what are some of the key regional considerations when it comes to employment that you believe an APAC-based employer should consider as they go into the region? 
Good question. I think that um, we can divide this process in three stages. I normally do that to explain foreign investors in Latin America and, and see what understanding what is going to happen when they invest in the countries or in the region uh, in general. So I divide it in hiring, how compensate people during the employment relationship and fighting how you terminate those relationships. Because even though you think everything is going to be great, at, it's going to be one point of the time when you decide your investment is not uh, profitable anymore in a specific country, or you want to switch persons in that specific country, and then where the issue begins. So it's very important to have that in mind, the three stages of investment in, in the region, especially in the labor and employment area. So with regard to hiring, and I think that maybe we can focus on that in this podcast, is that when you want to hire somebody, you have to decide what formula do you want to use? Uh, how do you want to hire that specific person in, uh, in, in the region? And you will have many alternatives. We can go on and on and on explaining the specifics, but basically you have to decide whether you want to have a real employment relationship or not, or you want to test the waters first and have an independent contractor relationship or hiring a third party to provide services on that regard at the beginning. What we have seen with the Asian companies doing business in Latin America is that they, they want to first have a commercial relationship like a sole distributor or hiring a third party to distribute their products before hiring employees. But of course, that's not in every single case. So number one, you have to decide what formula you want to apply. So if, uh, if we're talking in the Asia, you know, from the mindset of many of the Asia-based companies, these are not unfamiliar strategies. Uh, uh, strategies they use, it sounds like, even here in Asia, we can engage individuals perhaps as an independent contractor. We can engage them directly as an employer if we need to make that investment or willing to make that investment right away, or we can engage through a third party. Is that what you're saying? That's correct. That's the way we, we, we recommend our clients to start thinking about how they're gonna engage their workforce. So, but they have to bear in mind that in, in the region, and this, this is, similar every single country from Mexico to Argentina, is that even though you have a perfect drafted independent contractor agreement or a perfect drafted uh, outsourcing uh, contract, there is a principle that applies in the labor laws in the region, but it doesn't matter what the form is, it's the actual reality of the activity that matters. So in other words, if you can have a wonderful employment and independent contractor agreement signed, drafted by you, Trent, it's going to be amazing. I know it's going to be protect the company 100%, but the reality is going to prevail. I mean, the judge is not going to see the document. It's going to see the document, but it's going to see what is behind that. So if you have the agreement, it's not enough. You have to make sure that um, when you invest in Latin America, you get the proper advice to tell you what to do on a daily basis, meaning that you have to understand that if you have a, an employment relationship but covered by independent contractor agreement, at the end, the courts are gonna say that that employee or independent contractor was misclassified and then you're gonna get in trouble. And the trouble is not maybe the same that in, in Asia countries, and you know that better than I, the trouble is more related to back paid, benefits not paid, and in some countries, 
like the ones I mentioned in the in the Pacific is Chile, the social security issues, and so on. I think you've raised an important issue because you know in you know in Asia we have our common law jurisdictions like Singapore and Hong Kong, where the employment entitlements are relatively small. But then we've got countries, you know, like Japan or South Korea or Indonesia or, you know, Thailand, where we start to see a much more protective scheme in terms of mandatory pay, premium pay for night shifts, pay, uh, you know, at termination for severance. And I'm wondering then how you would describe Latin America, where they fall on that scale of employment entitlement at 100 uh, percent i will describe them as the protective very restricted jurisdictions nothing at all like like singapore you describe is going to be more more um traditional japan uh, as you describe it very complicated once the, the the employment relationship is established then the the risks liabilities and obligations from the company is is huge of course, it deviates some countries to the others. Some countries is easier to enter into a third party agreement. Some countries is easier to have an independent contractor based on enforceability, compliance, and so on. But in general, I, I will say that is more, more towards to very restricted uh, legislation. I think of another sort of important piece to this that you've raised and maybe a a cultural consideration is, can you talk to me about the willingness of individuals within the region to bring claims of misclassification? And the reason that I raise that, and I also understand it's very hard to, to generalize across an entire region. Every country has their nuance. But if you would take you know, Asia sort of at a broader perspective, misclassification issues really rarely arise in many cases. How would you sort of describe the region in Latin America in terms of enforcement of those rights? It is very aggressive, meaning nothing is going to happen when you hire people as an independent contractor. Nothing is going to happen during the, the independent contractor relationship that you're going to have an issue for sure in 80% of the cases when you terminate or you change the conditions. That's for sure. And uh, that will happen in every single jurisdiction. And, and that that not only in the employment area, it will translate also to the commercial area. So if a corporation, a company from Asia wants to get an independent, real independent commercial relationship, even at that time, when it terminates, the majority of the jurisdictions provide benefits for termination of a truly commercial independent relationship. Remember that the idea of the courts in our countries, in the, our jurisdictions, is to protect the local guy, right? So he has the, the, he has the home advantage in terminating those agreements. And moreover, and maybe this, this is too technical, just for a brief comment that we are having, in some countries, it is not valid or legal to establish foreign venue or, uh, or a different way to solve disputes not related to the local venue of the jurisdiction of the country. So those clauses in the agreement 
has to be very carefully re uh, reviewed by proper attorneys on the ground because sometimes are illegal and sometimes not enforceable. So I would ask you then two final questions. The first one being when somebody uh, is looking to use an independent contractor relationship, what are the key things they need to look out for? And then what would be your, the second point to sort of wrap it up is, what is your key takeaways then uh, when I'm considering putting a worker on the ground and I wanna use a contractor relationship, what's the thing I need to remember the most? Okay, number, number one, you have to have a very good independent contractor agreement. That's number one, even though I mentioned that the reality prevails and so on, your contract is very important. Then second, you have to stay away as much as possible for a formal employment relationship. So you have to take away all those type of activities that will show control over the independent contractor. I know it's difficult. I know the, the reason you wanna have an independent contractor on the ground is to control it and to control what he or she is doing, but we have, we have to do it in a different way. You have to, there are ways to do it that are not only formally showing, showing in the agreement that is an independent relationship, but also in practice, then the authority you provide, you are using to control that person is not, you know, the same as the employment, employment relationship. And third, you have to have a limit time in that relationship. I mean, we have cases in which clients always tell us at the beginning, this is going to be for a year or two, no more. And then 10 years after that, they have the same person doing the same thing with all the activities, with an email from the company that he's invited to all the meetings and so on. So that person is already an issue that that person is going to be considered an employee, no matter what you do formally. So number, number one, proper hiring, number two, proper uh, management of that person to try to reduce the control over that person. And three, it is not safe, it is not wise to have a long relationship because time is the issue. Remember in Latin America, the main benefits are calculated based on seniority and tenure. So if the person stays a couple of years or more, then liability kicks because the risks involved are higher. And the, the possibility that that person sues for misclassification is even higher. You've given us a lot to think about. Thank you so much today for your time today, Juan Carlos. And looks like there's a lot more we could discuss on this topic, and we'll look forward to future discussions with you. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. I'm, I'm, I'm always here to help in any case. The purpose of this program is to provide helpful information for employers addressing the latest developments in labor and employment relations. It is not a substitute for experienced legal counsel and does not provide legal advice or attempt to address the numerous factual issues that arise in any employment-related issue. To discover other labor and employment podcast series from Littler, the largest global employment and labor law practice, visit littler.com slash podcasts.